very good evening to everyone who is joining us today and a very good afternoon to people who are joining us from all the way from europe uh, a very warm welcome to everyone for in this another exciting episode of the speaking on wing managing change series where we are bringing the finest of experts from around the world to go through the magic of internet tonight today's session is very 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 special because we have guests who have not were not just present who are not just locked in from three different countries but i have locked in from three different continents we have uh ismina anand we have mr karunesh prasad and we have dr sandy chong joining us and we have uh esteemed moderator for today mr nim dev kumaran the fantastic man the brains behind this entire panel so i'll just quickly very i'll very quickly introduce nim and then we we can start with the panel so nim is currently the head of co which is one of southeast asia's earliest innovators of co-working and community building as part of the arc spaces group of companies nim along with co is bringing together the world's largest organizations and startups whether it's spaces to connect or supporting their future work strategies and spanning across singapore kuala lumpur and china nim is a very enterprising individual and extremely passionate and curious and is a well known persona within the southeast asian ecosystem a very warm welcome to you nim and thank you so much for joining us at the panel hi hi much to thanks for that flattery will get you everywhere <laughs> <laughs> um oh, I, uh, <laughs> i think i i i leave it up to i open i leave it up to nim to introduce our other esteemed panelists and nim it's your event now it's your session looking forward okay Thank uh thanks thanks for that himach I, i guess before we get started for the attendees feel free to say you know hello and uh, you know where where you're from um understand we've got a few people from across across the region um so really fortunate today we've got three rock star speakers um so first up um and i've got my phone to help me uh first up we have uh, dr sandy chung um so sandy is a harvard alumni and the founder of verity consulting sandy was born um in singapore um and was raised in australia so prior to founding her own consultancy sandy's worked for a number of uh, large organizations ranging from uh, amex um to curtin university of technology and a number of australian government agencies in the areas of strategic marketing public private partnership and corporate communication uh, sandy's also winner of numerous awards um including asia's top sustainability women of the year award and the usa uh, stevie awards for women in business along with the singapore management consultancy of the year award i'm going to have to have a drink sandy to uh <laughs> <laughs> a lot of talk. <laughs> uh in in addition to that um Sandy was also recently awarded the Australian Community Citizen of the Year by the governor and her biggest passion is in bridging businesses with uh, philanthropic causes um and is currently the first Asian to serve as the president of the United Nations Association in Western Australia. Did I miss anything up? Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So re- really glad to have really glad to have Sandy. Uh next up we have Mina. Uh so Mina is a experienced HR practitioner and board advisor. She has operated at C-suite level for over a decade for some of the best known uh, FTSE 30 organizations. She's a truly global executive. Um so right now you're in is it London, you know? London, yes. Um uh, but with a immense experience across Asia Pacific um she's held significant uh, chief hr officer roles 
most recently, um, she was overseeing the people transformation of circa 30,000 in shared service center across 18 locations and four countries for Standard Chartered Bank based out of Malaysia. She's a passionate disruptor and uh, we're you know, lucky to have her with us today um, as she's often sought to write and speak on next-gen HR challenges. Thank you, Nim. Awesome. <laughs> and next thank up, you we... for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Mina. And next up, we have Karanesh. So Karanesh is... Well, okay, I can see Karanesh now. Karanesh is an entrepreneur, speaker, and author. Um, he writes on the topics of change transformation, future of work, and talent management. He's a global executive, having lived in uh, and worked in India, Germany, Belgium, US, and Singapore. Karanish currently runs a boutique change management consultancy uh, called Change AL. Have I pronounced that correctly? Yeah, that's fine. Change it out. <laughs> change it out. Excellent. Here in Singapore. He's also the founder of Richard L, uh, which is a platform for freelancers um, to connecting them with cloud HR technology, and it's a HR tech company. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So much. Thank, you Thank you. Thanks for everyone for, for joining. I'm just seeing we've got a couple of comments coming through. So we've got, I see we've got somebody from Mumbai. Um, I, I see we've got Adrian. Uh, which part of the world? Did, I think Adrian is from currently in Georgia, but he travels uh, across, across the world. But uh, I guess to, to start how, I mean, the last few months have been, you know, a challenge. Um, for all of us, um, how, how have you been coping so far? Uh, perhaps we'll start with uh, Karanesh. Yeah, coping uh, much better than we thought, actually. Uh, I must say that. And we first couple of weeks, we were, uh, we were kind of uh, a little taken aback by the fact that we can't move out and we are constrained by the, the fact that we are staying back at home. But for us particularly, me and my team, we have been working from home for the last many years, six years. We have, I've been doing this consulting work for the last six years and I never had an office. We had an office once and after six months, we gave it up because I was the only one sitting there. My entire team was working from the client's office. So okay. there's no need for that. But having said that, I think, I think it's, a, it's a time for big uh, disruption. Like we were just hearing from Sandy also. This is the time. So we are busy actually looking at opportunities. How do we move some of our work from how we were doing traditionally to online? So that's keeping us quite busy. And it's also exciting because we are trying to, you know, try some new ideas, doing things differently. So keeping us very busy, much more than I thought. And that's where I am right now. But I would love to hear how Sandy and Meena are also managing that at this point of time. Uh, Sandy, do, do you want to chime in? Oh, I can't. Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Back. Yeah. Right. So it, it has been a challenging time. Uh, I, I would say that uh, not so much for us, but some of our clients. So getting them to transit from a traditional uh, work kind of arrangement to work from home and how do we empower people? How do you communicate effectively? Uh, what sort of crisis communication policy do you have in place? Most of them don't even have one. And then how do you actually try and shift the thinking, uh, the, the thinking of your workforce to looking at opportunities, thinking more strategically? Because again, it's very 
typical human behavior when we are afraid and there's a lot of uncertainty. We just fall into either um, passive aggressive, either we just fight or flight, or we just put our head down. And um, it can be it can be very debil debilitating because we are bombarded with all these information overload on a daily basis. So a lot of people do get their information from the corporation or for the companies that they work with, followed by the government and then the media, which means businesses have a, an important responsibility and role to play in informing and educating their workforce. So a lot of our, our work for the last couple of months have been helping clients through that transition. I also lead a nonprofit organization, which is fully run by volunteer, including myself. So it is also a very tough time. Um, they don't call uh, the nonprofit sector a third sector for no reason. So there's a lot of people who are on the front line who are supporting domestic violence, people who needed the support with regards to food uh, and mobility. And so uh, because we're just an advocacy organization, our, our, our mandate is to promote uh, uh, the issues and the values of the UN. So we can't. We, we, we can't be actually hogging all the funding, which means we have to think very creatively, how do we raise funds and how do we then support all these other frontline organizations to do the job that they need to. Yeah, so I think, that's what I, I've been busy with. And I think also the narrative has changed from I to how, how do we get through this together? Yes, um, absolutely. So that's one of maybe the, the one good thing out of uh, COVID. How about yourself, Mina? How have the last few months been for yourself? Yeah, interesting. Um, I think I've probably gone through a number of firsts. So um, both from a business perspective and from a personal perspective, um, having spent about 40 days without shoes, I didn't have to, didn't have to wear shoes for 40 days. That was quite, that was quite good fun. Um, to, you know, getting, uh, you know, 10, 12,000 people in India actually working from home. That was, that was, a, big, that was a big goal. Um, I've also had to wear several hats and I'm sure everyone else has as well in, uh, you know, you're a coach, you're a counselor, <clears throat> your advisor, you're also a people leader. You're also trying to, uh, help, you know, your, your family get through this. So, um, it's been interesting and just in terms of how rapid the, the number of the firsts have been, but also just the sheer number of hats that people have had to wear over the last kind of 30 or 40 days. Absolutely. I think one of, one of the challenges, I guess, with uh, working from home is that not every household is set up. For, you know, so how, how did you sort of overcome those challenges for your, uh, for your teams in India? Um, it's, I have to say, uh, it's, it's really tough. It's super tough to do. Um, I think so. First of all, uh, I think it's really having an open and honest conversation with the the teams that you have, and be honest and open about the type of environment that you've got and what works and what's not going to work for you. Um, so, but, but some really practical things as well. So we actually um, we actually ask people to take photos of their workstations and send it to, <laughs> back to their. So that we can get it at least, not so much from a risk assessment perspective, but just to get a, a better understanding of the environment that people were working within. Um, and some of them were actually really quite shocking, particularly, particularly in India. Um, okay. and, it, and it drove uh, certainly the bank to, to really think practically. So even things like actually shipping chairs to people's homes so that they you know, didn't, have, didn't suffer a prolonged backache, 
um, to provide um, a kind of slush fund so they can actually provide, you know, get tables and things like that. So um, even basic things, but even things like internet connections in India, mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit unstable, so we provided kind of dongles. Um, I mean, just there's, there's so many practical things that we've had to do over the last kind of 30 or 40 days to just um, get people in a, a really good uh, space while working from home. Absolutely. And uh, Karanish, you, you mentioned that you've been uh, working from home for the last six years. Yeah. What, what are some of the challenges, you know, you faced over those six years? I think... I think the basic thing is about our own discipline because it's not only about working from home, it's also about maintaining a certain routine. So Meena just mentioned that and I was laughing because when she said that not wearing shoes for 40 days, that can happen to people, you know. Yes. <laughs> but having said that, this is a big difference. When I'm working from home earlier, I could still go and meet people at Starbucks. I could actually meet with the customers in their office. So I was going out very frequently, uh, which has changed now. So one of the biggest changes that I'm seeing is people have become much more flexible with the fact that we are not meeting in person. So it's absolutely fine to have a Zoom call. And I think that increases the productivity a little bit for people like us, because when we go to meet one customer, you can do at the most two or three in Singapore, large cities, you can do not more than two. So that's, that's changed a little bit. Uh, then the other thing is tolerance. I think the tolerance of everyone has gone substantially higher because they are all talking about the same challenges of being able to manage kids, normal routine, and also doing those calls and constantly doing your work. So that has changed. So from my point of view, I'm seeing a very big shift in the way my clients were looking at working from home before versus now. And I also work with some of the banks who are my clients. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I saw two two extreme situation where one of the bank, very traditional, who would never take chances with people even, you know, forget working from home, even if they are in the office, there are multiple, you know, restrictions around what can you use, you don't have any USB port, you can't share your screen kind of situation to now, they are doing everything to make life easy for people to work from home. Mm-hmm. So that's one extreme. The other extreme is by organizations who are very savvy IT companies who are like, doesn't matter. My people are anyway dispersed and they will continue to work from home. And I think that's making a big difference right now. What I'm seeing in the market is that the companies who are already much more agile versus those who are not, mm. uh, you can see who's struggling and who's not there for as well. And have you seen um, a shift in, I guess, um, skills that have gone from a, a nice to have, you know, to more of a must have? Oh, plenty, plenty. Uh, and, and people are coming forward requesting for some of the additional training from us and uh, my, my training uh, team. So I'll give you a simple example. You know, if you talk about executive presence, if you talk about the way we present, talk, the way we are able to you know, make our point in a meeting versus how we do it virtually, it's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Being able to align your leadership team when you're working virtually or working from home, people who are not spending the informal coffee machine or uh, you know water cooler discussion that we were having before, which is not happening. So mm-hmm. imagine that if I'm a colleague of Sandy and Meena and you name it, if we were to do a general chat, which we could do, let's grab lunch together kind of a thing. 
is not happening and the moment you say let us schedule a time to talk about something means it must be really important that you want to talk about that setting up a time mm -hmm. and that shift is very big so i can see people struggling with that shift and therefore how do we keep the leadership and the team aligned is therefore a very big topic and we do a lot of work in that space we were doing that before uh, by running workshops now we are we just started something yesterday with a big company uh, which is on the same topic but we are running the entire thing virtually now so it's a big shift by itself and how about yourself sandy are you seeing a, a major shift in the skills yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think just globally on a macro level, uh, the kind of work, uh, the kind of skills that people are looking for is, is no longer just the traditional ones. Um, there is a real competition with regards to talent pool acquisition now. So uh, if you have a good technological background, if you have a good STEM background, obviously you're going to be snapped up. It's extremely competitive. And from one of our clients, uh, they told us that because everyone is now working from home, it's actually easier to pouch employees because no one's listening in. So if you have those, uh, obviously those tech or STEM skills, or if you have those employees, just, you know, <laughs> be watchful of them. And then another group of people that are in high demand are people with good emotional and analytical skills. Because in order to solve problems, you've got to have those skills. And it's no longer just a, a, a good to have, you know, in, in good times, you know, it's like a wish list. But now it's so important and so urgent that you really need people who can come on board, not just with a specific content expertise, but also someone who is very agile, someone who can communicate effectively, and someone who can literally analyze the, prob uh, the problem very um, um, very effectively and then provide that solution to your employer. So um, all this are changing the way people are going to recruit. So mm -hmm. these are just yes. some of the things that we've been doing with our clients, like strategizing their international expansion strategies and then looking at what kind of workforce they need uh, to enable that. So just, mm -hmm. just, just a, a lot of that sort of request has come through and I, I see that to be very interesting. But again, on a macro level, uh, the care economy is going to be huge. So yeah. is the green economy. So uh, a lot of our clients in the manufacturing and production industry, they are really uh, boosting up all their sustainability efforts. Uh, even if they don't have the budget now, it's definitely something that they would like to focus on, on the recovery. So if you have any of those interests, if you're in sustainable or green engineering or production, I think, uh, you know, you, you, you're prime for, uh, for employment. Yeah. Absolutely. How, how about yourself, Mina, from uh, your experience with uh, Standard Chartered? Um, so I think Sandy's right. I think the, the kind of skill sets that she's outlined from a technical perspective spot on. Um, I guess I, I, I would also add that um, I know it sounds, sounds old fashioned, but um, actually good, just good leadership and good people management skills. And so, and, and it's, I, I don't think it's ever come to the fore uh, rather than uh, like right now. It, and the kind of things I'm talking about are things like, yeah, how do you build trust when you can't see anyone, everyone on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, how do you decide what work can be done at home and where you actually, where, where you need to make the choice to actually send somebody into the office? So decision-making is really important. Um, the operating rhythm that you set up as a, as a leader, 
um, has to change. So, so, and including some of the things that, um, like water cooler conversations, you yeah. kind of now have to almost plan for those um, as part of your day-to-day work. You know, um, being actually being with your team. And I, and I know it sounds silly, but actually it's about meaningfully engaging with your team you don't have the usual signs and cues that to kind of tell you when somebody is really pissed off and somebody is really um, feeling down. Uh, you, you, just, you just don't have all of that. So um, you really do have to, uh, you know, trigger your compassion as a, as, a, as a leader. Absolutely. And I think the, you know, working from home, it's, it's possibly the biggest experiment in flexible working there is. And we've, sure. it's all I've been thrust upon us. I, I, I know, you know, perhaps prior to COVID, um, a lot of CEOs were actually looking at the office as the way to, you know, driving culture or to yeah. um, look after employee well-being. That's obviously been, um, we're in, hit a bit of a curve. Now. So do you see, I mean, post-pandemic, do you see things staying as is or reverting back to, you know, what it used to be? Um, I see I see a mixture. Um, so if you speak to people like uh, TCS, they basically said, you know, they, they've actually been quite bold and said, you know, 75% of their organization is going to be working from home over the last, over the next five years, they're going to make that happen. Um, if you go to Facebook or Google, they basically said, look, we just, we don't need you in the office until the, the end of the year. Um, so I do think that um, I'm hoping what will happen uh, as a result of this, is that we'll have um, a much more resilient workforce, mm-hmm. much more resilient. Uh, but the, I mean, going through this is super stressful, so I'm hoping that we'll end up with, if we can manage the experiment, the big experiment carefully, that we'll be in much better places as, as, as organizations, as people, as communities, and, and overall just generally more resilient. And that, that is a critical skill in itself. Absolutely. I think there's only a certain amount of time you can speak to the fridge and the sofa before, <laughs> before getting bored. I, I guess moving on to the topic of social isolation, you know, are you seeing challenges for, for companies or is it uh, overused term? Uh, no, perhaps? I think it's very real. Oh, sorry. Um, no, no, I good, good no, I think it's very, I think it's very real. Um, so if there has been a lot, a number of surveys that have been done recently and, um, you know, 40% of people actually do think that their, their, their kind of well-being has suffered as a result of um, the, uh, the, the, the COVID situation. Um, and uh, so, so, and it's, I think it's just as, exacerbated things that already existed. So, for example, if you, uh, had, a, had, you, if you physically, if had a physical um, well-being issue, so think your backache, that would just be exacerbated if you had a, a mental health condition to begin with. That's just going to come to the fore. And similarly with financial uh, mm. well-being, equally, um, it's just putting a lot of even finan- there's a lot of financial people with fin- a lot of financial stress around. Yep. And, and you know, as banks, we're we're trying to do as much as we can to kind of help. And governments, of course, are doing quite a lot to help. But yeah, all, um, if you look at it from a physical, mental, and uh, financial well-being perspective mm-hmm. I think there are real challenges yeah absolutely how about yourself Sandy 
Yeah, I think uh, I, I agree with what Mina was saying. Taking care of employees' welfare is so important. And I think companies also need to remember just because someone is working from home, it doesn't mean that they are no longer legally responsible for the well-being of the employees and one of the biggest reasons why companies have always resisted doing teleworking because uh, you know there is a legal requirement to make sure that they are not going to be harmed they are not exposed to violence they are not exposed to any sort of occupational health and safety uh, issues and uh, it is also codified in most national and international law uh, whether you're your individual company's contract is written in, in, in however ironclad way, that there are national and international law that protects these workers. So mm. I think uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Obviously, you know, there are many studies who that, that state that the best format is 50% uh, at home and then 50% away from home. Mm. So, you know, some companies have moved towards 75 or even 100%. And just because you, you want people to do that, you know, it doesn't mean everyone's going to, celebrate this there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be against it so again have you actually had that dialogue with your workforce to see if this is their preferred style of working and not only that uh, the reason why a lot of teleworking uh, are not doing very well and this is what we see from a lot of our clients is because a lot of the middle management are resisting it so they could be at a certain age where um they they don't they're not comfortable with change or they're not comfortable with uh you know having to work from home and so if you can't get the middle management to have a, a really high buy-in of this new working arrangement then yeah. you're going to have a lot yeah. of problems Absolutely. so i think uh i think just the way we work is, is going to change and that's for sure if it, it, it once people get the hang of it and even when times are are, are okay and normal yeah. again uh there will be some restraint on the way we spend the budget with travels and so on. So if you have a sales team, it's going to be an issue as well. So if your salespeople are so used to having that face-to-face, like what Karinesh was talking about, face-to-face meeting, you know, face-to-face consultation, then all that is going to change. So how is it going to impact on the way you reskill or repurpose your salespeople, your customer service people, and then your workforce? So that's going to be an interesting one for companies in the future. Absolutely. And Karinesh, from your perspective, how, how can companies create, you know, I guess better boundaries. I think for, for myself, some you know, working from home, I sometimes feel it's living at work. Yeah. Just yeah. with the uh, additional hours or you know, working across multiple time zones. I think, I think what Sandy said was a very important point about the fact that companies do have that responsibility. We heard Mina talk about how Stanchart sent, for example, chairs. Why do we have ergonomic chairs? Because we need to make sure that the employees are safe. Uh, the dongle and you know those are the basic infrastructure so the company's responsibilities are not going away but at the same time it's not only about the hardware it's also the software when i say software i'm talking about how do you provide the hand holding support the operating rhythm that we heard the word and i think that's a very important part of the whole scheme of things that how do you therefore keep your people together so what i see happening and that's my opinion i think we will have to go back to certain amount of balance between working from office and working from home. We heard that the tolerance level will be higher. And Sandy made another great point about the sales team, that do you travel for everything or do you, can you manage your business without traveling? 
that question will be asked more often now but having said that the reason why companies have those large infrastructure is because there's a economic sense in that we are ultimately doing it for business so a large setup where you have all the good you know ac and infrastructure conference rooms uh, your your telecom and it support because there's rooftop consolidation you are able to get the mileage out of that and that's where you make uh, you know some margins better imagine the same support system to be created in 5000 homes in india it's almost impossible mm-hmm. the other point is that i'm i I'll not name the company but a very big one of the top 100 uh, Uh, listed company uh, announced last week that they would like all their people to come back to work unless the country regulations are stopping them and we did a deep dive into that saying what is prompting that they they were talking about productivity they said that you know mm-hmm. all said and done there can be a lot of tolerance around things for a shorter period of time but we are not ready to continuously work from home and think that we will be able to run business as usual because we are not set up like that mm-hmm. having said that we will look at our rules and regulations much more differently going forward and i saw they came out with a very big uh, you know guidebook on working from home and they are trying to balance exactly what we heard just now from sandy and meena on things about health safety uh, leadership working from home the norms for uh, getting on to calls so that's one side the other mm-hmm. side is that as government as employees as employers everybody will have to be prepared for some changes coming in so for example another facebook post i saw from a very good friend of mine who was talking about the fact that oh uh, my my people our friends are installing apps which will be actually giving away a lot of information i refuse to install any apps mm-hmm. and uh, if you are doing that and if i am on your contact list please, please remove me and i thought he was right i mean he has a right to say that but imagine there will be organizations who will say you know what i would like to monitor the productivity of my people and therefore how much time you are able to actually spend online sorry for the intrusion but we are doing that because earlier i'm i was asking you to clock in and clock out of the organization also is that a bit big big brother so so we will ha- we'll see those kind of discussions yeah. happening and uh, i think there will be tolerance but at the same time there will be some very difficult questions that we all need to answer to ourselves mm-hmm. and for the government to actually jump in to see what laws and statutory requirements they create yeah. and i think i think another big talking point right now is around mental health and is you know ensuring um the mental well-being of your people whether it's in the office uh whether it's at home um i think a burning question right now is you know how do you support your employees from you know burning out um mina do you have any insights around this um so so i think first of all just acknowledging um that how much uh disruption has been created in people's lives and um i would start there just acknowledging acknowledging that um i also think it's really important for organizations um leaders um people uh, people leaders to actually have really good 
understanding of the individual circumstances and the support that they, each individual in their team may need. Because just because, um, you know, somebody may be com- somebody may be entirely comfortable working at home and never have to never want never need to go into the office at all um, and you may have the other extreme where they're actually dying to go back into the back back into the office so i think actually really understanding the crux is really understanding the individual needs um, and challenges that the person's facing i think thirdly look for signs Um, And it's harder to do when you're working remotely. So signs could be um, actually uh, people not taking breaks, Um, people being a little bit more irritable than they are normally. Um, They are overreacting to to problems that they're facing. They withdraw. You know, some people actually, and uh, there's a couple of people in my team that, you know, I actually had to call out, uh, physically call myself because they I hadn't seen them on you know three or four calls um for three or four you know, on on calls for three or four days so withdrawal is really important so look for the look for the signs mm-hmm. um and and I think lastly um especially in Asia I think it's uh well it's quite difficult for sometimes for individuals to express their emotions and what they're really yeah. feeling and finding mechanisms to do that, so and tricks and tips to do that. So a couple that um, I've used successfully is um, emojis. I know, okay. I, I know, every, I know everyone hates them. Any particular emoji? You'd, you'd be amazed. You, you just give them, uh, you give the teams, uh, you know, like your, your teams uh, a different set of emojis. And you know, at the start of every meeting, you kind of say, okay, so how's everyone feeling? And they just kind of literally just click. <laughs> on the um, another one is uh, rating yourself from one to ten. So how oh. how are you feeling? And um, and it's interesting how you know some people uh, actually uh, you know say you know and you'd expect everyone to kind of say oh you know I'm feeling okay you know especially in front of their own leaders but in fact it varies quite considerably and then that then encourages a bit more of a dialogue. So just some there's you know three or four things that. I think you do to to just kind of check in. Mm, absolutely. And how about yourself, Karnish? So there are multiple things happening simultaneously. One of the things that I tried, and I was thinking about this whole uh, challenge of people isolation, and it was the same for us earlier also. But what we have started doing from the last few days is uh, we we started like online getting together as a team. Mm. So what we're doing is that two hours window uh, and I have team members in India, I have team members in Singapore, and we all come together on a Zoom together at the same time. Uh, a lot of people have questions to ask each other. So we do that. We use the breakout room to be able to go on a side uh, conversation, come back from there. Uh, so we're trying that not because we don't have enough opportunities to talk uh, one-on-one, it's more because of the same thing that Meena was saying that you don't and you don't generally set up a call to talk about general challenges or your mental health or how you're feeling. You don't set up that time. Yeah. But within the team, once we did that, we saw that yeah, people are actually coming forward and doing that and using that time. And those two hours, it's not compulsory. Not everybody has to be there the entire time. But I thought it's it's coming together quite well and uh, and. Uh, there are few topics that we need to work together on. We are able to work together, and that's that's working out pretty well. 
other thing that on a different topic or a different line, I'm seeing a sudden demand for EAP, Employee Assistance Program. Mm. Uh, a lot of companies, a lot of vendors are under stress trying to provide that because those organizations who were doing that earlier were mostly very forward-looking larger organizations. And now you are suddenly seeing that need coming from many others also because they are recognizing the fact that this will be needed. And not every time you want to talk to only your manager or your boss, you may want to talk to somebody absolutely different. Yeah. So that's another thing which is picking up. I think, I think it's the right thing to happen. And I think, you know, with a lot of companies, you know, um, business leaders are pivoting towards, you know, their most valuable asset, which is talent. Um, and I think from what I see, particularly here within Southeast Asia, the, the, the companies and the teams that have, you know, very diverse workforce or, you know, have put inclusion and diversity at the forefront of their business, they somehow seem to be, you know, weathering the storm, maybe slightly better than, than others. Sandy, have you, have you seen any trends around this? Yes, absolutely. So uh, most of our clients are, have, have offices all over the world internationally. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned something about psychological safety, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, apart from the fact that you have this remote working arrangement, you have the intercultural working arrangement as well. So companies who have done... Uh, uh, who has of who that has offices overseas and have many different cultural uh, diverse background people working for the company they are actually able to transit into this work arrangement much better than those companies that are more homogeneous um, another thing that uh, you you just mentioned about diversity so if you're a company that has a lot of various background and not so homogeneous Yes, during this time, you're going to have a lot of ideas, a lot of opinions. It may be a, a little bit chaotic, but some of the breakthrough ideas came out from crisis and recessions are from diverse team. So you need to acknowledge and you need to identify these people. And you also have these groups of people where you call them um, diversity champions. So they could be Filipinos who are working in Singapore, for example. And so they're quite used to not taking everything literally. They live in multicultural background. They've worked in multicultural um, uh, contexts or corporations. So these are the people who are, how should I say, cultural ambassadors or cultural champions. And they would help homogeneous companies, like say, for example, you're a fully based Australian company. So you, you haven't actually gone overseas before. So having those champions helping you and, and identifying those issues and challenges for you will be extremely helpful. Um, having said that, I, I think you, you mentioned about that psychological safety. It is so mm. important to do that because mm. when you have a team in Australia, for example, one of our clients, um, the Australian team would say, oh, these agents don't talk a lot when we have these teleconferences. Yeah. They're so quiet. Uh, are they passive? Do they have? Do they not have any ideas? Or what is it? What they don't understand is, it's in in Asia, we're quite um, conformative and we don't like confrontation. And if we don't like anything, uh, we wouldn't say out loud in front of everyone. So it's yeah. like what Mina was saying: very little is seen, a lot is unseen, like an yeah. iceberg. So you know, if you are managing an international team, you need to be aware of this. And not everyone is privileged to have a space. Yeah. Uh, of your own in a in a home and in Asia a lot of people live with their parents they live with kids 
And sometimes people mute their videos or they mute the, the audio because they're embarrassed about, you know, who's walking behind, like their grandmothers or their kids. And so we got to be extremely culturally sensitive as well, because in, in most Western countries, uh, we don't have to live with the parents. But in Asia, it's a different, it's a yeah. different case. So those are just some of the things that people need to understand. And then, of course, uh, the way we communicate during the meetings. And then there's always meeting after meetings. Yes. So <laughs> following up with WhatsApp, following up with whatever uh, uh, platform or communication uh, chat groups is really important. So checking in on people is really important. Mm. And I think uh, from some of our clients, what, what we see really worked is when you have a meeting, you want to make sure that everyone is active. Everyone is an, a participant. It is extremely important to just check into a Zoom and then just fold your arms back and then just observe and be this really mm -hmm. passive uh, attendee. And you don't want that. So as a leader, your job is then to engage and make sure that everyone, irregardless of their position, gets to talk and everyone gets to comment on mm -hmm. a particular challenge. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get people who are just going to be like, oh, this is, I really don't want to be here. When is this going to be over? and they're not going to contribute. So I see that you have intercultural issues when you work mm. in offices. And on top of that, now you have this added layer of challenge with remote working and how people react uh, and communicate online. So mm. those are just some of the things that, uh, yeah, company would, would probably need to investigate and, and spend time. You know, and, I, and I think also with the future work of Thing, you know, perhaps the office will you know, evolve itself to be the place to connect or the, the yes. place to, to, to meet. So it's, it seems that, you know, there's obviously people that are very pro working from home. There are people pro from, from the office. I think it will somehow will meet somewhere in the, in the middle. Uh, yes. <laughs> I've got, we've got a few questions here. So let's, uh, let's try. Um, uh, okay. So we have Ajahn. So Ajahn's asked, since working from home is becoming a norm, do you feel that companies now would look hiring globally for their teams since they are not restricted by any geography now? Um, who, who would like to answer that? I'm already seeing that, actually. Okay. I'm seeing that a lot, and I'm sure uh, so is Sandy and me now because uh, that barrier is going away. And uh, like we are attending conference calls or webinars from all over the world, same thing is happening with the work also because it's no more restriction. That along with another thing which is likely to come in is that the time zone will decide your workplace literally in my opinion because if there are people sitting in Australia, they can work with Philippines as well as China as well as Vietnam. I think that combination of the time zone will create a workplace by itself. And I can see that happening because uh, the three or four different time zones, if we divide that, uh, I can see people kind of hiring or working with those people a lot. So I've been working a lot with the people in Philippines and India, uh, including my team members, because it's easy to do that. But uh, afternoon time, Europe, a lot of people who are working from there are able to collaborate and work together. So I can see that the team formation will change. Uh, being able to include people from other geographies will uh, become more. Mm -hmm. So it is not about every time global mobility and how quickly you are able to get the uh, mobile, get the person moving to another location. It's about if you are in the same time zone, can you work from there? Let us go ahead and do that. So are, are we likely? 
Is the world likely to become a massive BPO center? <laughs> some part, yes. I would say some part, yes. I mean, you, can, you cannot do with all the jobs, but there's mm. a big chunk of roles which were already being done in a slightly different way. So think about all the creative guys, the graphic designers, the writers who are already doing that. Uh, a lot of consultants like us are doing a lot of work virtually. And if that is going to happen, my competition is not confined to the country that we are in. It could be anywhere in the world. So we need to be ready for that as well. And same thing with the organizations now. Absolutely. Thank, thanks for that, Karanesh. Uh, we've got another question from Paul. Um, what does the future hold for freelancers and how are things looking for the future work in the gig economy? Um, Sandy, do you want to? Um, I think with, uh, with this economy, it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, as a freelancer, I also see a lot of opportunities now, like what um, Karanesh have just mentioned. Uh, people are hiring globally. Uh, and if you're able to pitch yourself and market yourself effectively, then you will always have a job. And digital branding, digital transformation is, is all the rage at the moment. So, uh, yeah, online branding and online positioning is going to be really key on how do you stand out from this whole crowd. Mm -hmm. So, you know, recently we had a webinar on digital branding and selling online. You know, do you market yourself or do you not market yourself? And how do you market yourself? Because this is a really interesting time. And if you do overt marketing, it's being frowned upon. Yeah. And uh, that's, unless you're a frontline supplier or uh, a provider to the current crisis, you can't do anything else other than compassionate marketing. Mm. So how do you stand out and how do you eloquently articulate your unique selling point without seeing like you're trying, just trying to promote yourself? So those are very, uh, uh, very tricky thing to, to, to balance. Uh, so I think if you're a, free, if you're a freelancer, uh, you, you would see a lot of um, trial and errors and so on. But I, I definitely see this gig economy is just going to get bigger. So yeah. I, I see lots of opportunities. Yeah. And, and, and there's awfully, awfully a lot of support for freelancers. You know, there's, there's networks you can tap into. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's about, I guess it's about also creating a professional image, whether that's on yes. LinkedIn whether that's taking a business address in a, in a, in a nice building. So there's, there's definitely a yes. lot of support there. But. So we've got yeah. one final question. Uh, this is from Ambi. And uh, his question is, an organization builds social capital by making people make connections at work. Will this work as well in the work from home scenario? Uh, Mina, did you want to? Um, so important, such an important issue in terms of building social capital, um, particularly for organizations and that are truly relationship-based. Um, I think you just have to find different ways of doing it, to be honest. And, so, and some of the practical things we talked about in terms of, for example, if you're going to have a meeting. Um, so, I, I, for example, I was a... I am uh, just been appointed to a board of a school locally in the UK, and uh, the, forward, the first board meeting, the um, the chair basically said, "Okay, well, for the first fifteen minutes, we're just going to chit chat." Um, and I think that's the kind of thing that we need to what we need to kind of start to do. Uh, super important, and mm. uh, you need to make time and and space for it. Yeah, and I, I think also you know having a you know. Perhaps a bit of curiosity 
with a small, small dose of kindness, given this particular time, I think it's a great way to, you know, build connections, whether you're in an office or, you know, you're working remotely. We've had a couple of more questions that are just creeping in. So we'll, this, is, we'll, we'll, this will be the final one. So it's an, it's an interesting one. And how, this is from Rahul. How will the KRAs and KPIs change? And Sandy, do you want to? Yep, sure. So um, with clients uh, who are now moving towards this work from home and obviously looking at uh, a, a real shift in their talent acquisition, uh, they, are, they're probably, they probably have to be more calculated with the outcomes. So uh, it could be in a measure of conversion. And like I said, someone asked a question about what is compassionate marketing? So compassionate marketing means you must be doing something or you're giving something educational or informational to your community rather than selling, hey, I've got this product. So Subway, for example, try to sell two buns and then in exchange you get a, a face mask. That campaign was attacked horribly. So, um, and, and that's just marketing. Uh, so with regards to other forms of work or other forms of function or operation within your firm, you need to be able to ask yourself, uh, obviously, what are you trying to achieve during this crisis? And then with regards to recovery, uh, what sort of KPI are you going to attach with the recovery? Is it going to be brand retention? Is it going to be uh, maintenance of your equity? Um, or is it going to be increase in sales i mean it's going to be really tough because uh not only are you going to lose a lot of your employees if you're not doing it right you're also going to lose a lot of clients in fact people were saying that during this crisis uh there's a lot of switching of branding because if your competitors are very savvy online and and very savvy in during this digital transformation and if they say for example they have a better packaging or bundling of products that are more uh, digestible in terms of cash flow for people, then people are willing to switch as high as 60%. So, you know, again, so, I mean, would your KPI be just maintaining <laughs> your, your current revenue? Or are you, are you, are you factoring, say, the, the, the attrition rate? So it really depends uh, where you're at. But hopefully the way I see it is if you, if you prep yourself well enough, if you're able to shift or, or pivot effectively, then you should be looking at an increase. So many companies and many studies have proven after crisis, some companies are actually doing better, 14% better than mm. uh, what they would do uh, in, in normal times. So again, it goes back to that diversity, having very creative mind, having very prompt in, uh, solution providing team within the company and obviously having strong leadership and, and really strategic form of leadership. I think that is so important. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Karanish? So I look at this a little bit differently. If I want to divide the KPIs and the KRAs of an organization into two or three different tiers, I think the first tier of people, you know, talking about growth or, you know, going forward with the, with the key imperatives of the organization. If that changes, then I have a problem of how it was set up in the first place. But the moment you go to tier two and tier three, which are more like the activities that people do to reach the same goal. So that's where instead of going in person, you're doing the activity online, selling it online, creating more branding, that part will certainly change. And therefore that change will also drive some amount of the way it was monitored before versus it is monitored now. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I think I think that part will change for sure. So second and third tier, which is like if I go by the KRA model and say that the lowest level is activities, those activities will probably change completely. Mm-hmm. But the first two tiers will remain the same. Uh, the other part is that how it is actually monitored. Uh, the managers will have to actually, you know, go to the extreme of saying that I'll leave it to the person. I wouldn't dictate always that how and when it has to be done because that's where the conflict may come in. Yeah, uh, People are actually doing multitasking continuously. Think about people who have kids at home, trying to cook a meal, having parents at home. They want to be able to manage everything at their own convenience. And yeah. that will be a very big shift by itself. Mm-hmm. That's my take. Absolutely. And there's, a, there's just a question that's, I think it just ties in with that. Um, so this is from uh, Khalida, if I pronounce that correctly. Um, question is, how important is remote monitoring of employees? Will it not lead to an invasion in privacy and add to mental stress of, of employees? I, th- I think there's an element of trust. Trust, exactly. <laughs> on, on, on both, both sides. Um, Mina, do you have any insights around this? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I agree with you totally in terms of the trust piece. Um, I, I think the I think you need to be careful about what your um, hypothesis is with remote working and that productivity is necessarily going to fall. In fact, um, yes, there will be an initial drop because people need to get used to new processes, new technology. Um, they need to set up, uh, you know, their own schedules, um, you know, how to deal with childcare and so on. So for the first initial piece, I, I do see productivity decreasing. And we've seen it. I've seen it in the organ- in Santa Charla. Um, if you have a studies after change, it's interval that it will drop slightly. Um, but actually, and and um, I like Sandy's point about the 14% increase because I think that's what we're we're actually seeing that we're seeing um, certainly in Santa Charter when uh, when we were looking at it uh, about a week after uh, the change had been put in place um, productivity actually went up by about 20% because people had more time and um, I think they didn't have a long commute into into work um, they tend that people didn't take holidays so you then had a lot more capacity which created uh, increased productivity um, and so, so I think just be careful about your hypothesis and mm-hmm. especially with organizations that are new to remote work. Um, you know, it, don't assume that productivity is naturally going to decline. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and, and, and building trust on a longer term basis is, is, is where you should really focus. Absolutely. So I think it's, uh, it's true probably a one-size-doesn't-fit-all approach. Um, whether it's for the employee or whether whether it's from the organization. But um, it's been wonderful listening to you, all your insights uh, today. So thank you very much for, you, for your time. Um, and uh, any, any final comments from, from the speakers? Uh, I wanted to add to what Mina was saying before. Uh, time and time again, studies have proven that productivity uh, once you get over the transition, productivity doesn't go down, it actually go up. There are also other positive implications to this. So, so say, for example, in March, I went and visited a, a Japanese company here in Australia. They're one of the largest oil and gas investors here. It's called Impex. So for the longest time, they have difficulty retaining, attracting, and promoting women within the organization. 
but because at this very beginning of the crisis, they were experimenting the work from home structure. And the feedback I got from the vice president was that, you know what, uh, people's productivity didn't go down. It actually maintained, if not go up. Like all those studies that 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 has has been done so many times before, and because of that experience, they are really contemplating seriously now more about how can we implement this to attract our female and retain our female workforce. So if you're a mother, you say you you just given birth to kids, um, are you going to lose that job? Are you not going to apply for that promotion because you feel like you're out of touch with whatever office politics is or you're not given mm -hmm. that opportunity to apply? So now it seems like, and also because Japanese, uh, the, this particular Japanese company, they recognize the fact that it's a very male-dominated industry and male-dominated uh, company. And therefore, by just trying this out, it has all these positive perks, mm -hmm. which they might just keep for a long time. So I just feel that very much like what Mina and Karanesh were saying, you, you can't monitor your employees and survey them. Yes, it is a, a huge, how should I say, it's not just an infringement to your privacy, it's kind of creepy. I've yeah. heard of cases where bosses would put cameras in the office oh, just wow. to observe every single move of the employees. But the thing is, why would you want to lead by surveillance? You could have lead by purpose. You know, if you have a very strong leadership or if you have a, a great vision, people will follow you and people would, uh, would, do, would jump through hoops. If you take care of people, people will take care of business. I think th this is an era where you can see and you, you are already witnessing uh, the true value of leadership <laughs> from different parts of the world, how some leaders are leading their country and how, how some leaders are, um, you know, effectively communicating the right information to the people and uh, yeah it's 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 really uh, how should i say it's really revealing you know uh, and th th this is a good time to learn what good leadership can actually offer uh, mm. to your people and you can blame the employees for being unproductive you can blame technology or whatever but at the end of the day it's your job as a leader uh, yeah. to lead effectively yeah i mean this this is the perfect time for experimentation i would, I would say Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. But uh, thank you all for uh, joining today and uh, make sure you stay safe and uh, hopefully we'll see you on a webinar very soon. Mm -hmm.